Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Principal Voice, a podcast sponsored by the Ontario Principals Council, or OPC. My name is Peggy Sweeney. The OPC is the professional association representing more than 5,400 principals and vice principals in Ontario's publicly funded elementary and secondary schools. We develop and deliver professional learning for school leaders, provide legal advice and support, and advocate for public education. Our provincial office is based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Our guest today is Jason Toe. Jason is the coordinator of secondary mathematics and academic pathways in the Toronto District School Board. He's been a secondary mathematics and science teacher, the coordinator of mathematics and numeracy, and a math coach. Welcome, Jason. Hi, thanks for having me. Jason, let's start by introducing you to our listeners. How long have you been a teacher? So this is my 13th year teaching, and um, I've been recently supporting centrally in the school board for uh, off and on for about four years now. You've been a math coach. Who did you coach and what did that entail? So in my role as a math coach uh, in the Toronto District School Board, I was supporting um, schools that were um, targeted uh, for additional support. And so what I was doing in classrooms and with school teams was focusing on differentiating instruction, uh, knowing that uh, challenging streaming was a, um, a direction that um, our school board was taking. So streaming is, you know, the, um, the separation of students uh, into distinct schooling pathways based on our perceptions of student ability. Uh, and so we knew that this was an inequitable system and uh, we took it upon ourselves and our board uh, to make sure that that kind of learning um, and, and the direction in which we were going to make improvements in math uh, was going to be around uh, inclusion and uh, making sure that uh, teachers had the pedagogical skills uh, to engage a wider range of learners. So you've been a strong proponent for de-streaming math courses. What brought you to that position? So I was fortunate enough to take part in the initial professional learning that took place in the TDSB back in 2014, where uh, a small group of schools predominantly in the northwest corner of Toronto um, had the chance to hear from our then equity department around streaming. There was a, a report from our board that really looked at the uh, disproportionate representation of Black students, students from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, and students with special education needs in lower stream programming, um, uh, in, in our case, in the applied and the locally developed program. And so as a teacher, I was uh, just kind of happily streaming students. I didn't really know what I was doing and being part of a system that was harming students. And so when I saw this data uh, and the stories that were coming from students that I, I just couldn't be complicit anymore with um, this kind of a practice. And so that really started me on the path of learning more about streaming and about de-streaming and about inclusive practices and culturally relevant teaching. Uh, and uh, from there, uh, you know, just 
experimenting and um, uh, putting you know best practices into play uh, as as well as I could. But and and what I saw was immense gains for students, especially students with special education needs. Um, that was the 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 part that really sold me on um, on teaching uh, was. Uh, the the practices that I was employing and also the results. So Jason, you've said that equity, anti-racism and anti-oppression in education, particularly in the area of math, have driven all aspects of your educational career. Can you tell us more about how those issues actually relate to math? So what brought me to teaching was really this um, understanding that there were students in our in our system or in my city that really weren't learning math and, and not being very uh, well served in math classrooms. And so I, you know, wanted to be part of the solution. And so when I got into uh, my, you know, in teacher's college at OISE, I was part of an inner city cohort. So I was really um, interested in uh, what I could do to make math learning more relevant and uh, more successful for students. And um, what I quickly learned, uh, you know, teaching in the Northwest of Toronto was that um, equity and um, looking at anti-racism and anti-oppression from a system level uh, and, and even and, and like how those pressures play out in our schools actually made a difference and impacted student learning. And so, you know, when, when we're trying to uh, improve outcomes for students, we have to uh, take note of um, the sociocultural uh, system around us that, that we know impacts students. So having that critical consciousness for me and developing it uh, over time was really important to me because I, I, I knew that um, it wasn't, something that I could necessarily do to, you know, quote unquote, fix students. And the students weren't the problem. There was there, the conditions around our school and in our classrooms just weren't there to optimize learning. So when we're when we're looking at improving math practice, we, we have to actually look at at setting the right conditions. And that means that we have to look at things very critically, how we set up our spaces in math class, who is speaking in math class. We have to interrogate the power dynamics in math classrooms because we know that how things are uh, traditionally and have been done for a very long time, we know that that actually doesn't service uh, our most uh, underserved students very well at all. So I, I learned, um, I know at times slowly, but then very much more so later on in my career, just how important um, setting conditions are uh, for our students in math specifically. So are you opposed to all streaming or do you just think that there are the wrong students who are being streamed into applied math programs? I think all streams are bad and I'll tell you exactly why, because we know that when you are creating um, separate but equal systems, we know that that's actually never going to be the case, that there is always going to be one that will be favored over another. And um, those that will be advantaged by this, uh, any of these types of streaming structures will be those that are typically privileged in society. And so when we're looking at education, 
as a leveler, as, as equaling the playing field for all students, uh, we know that uh, we, we cannot reinforce and perpetuate inequities by systems and structures in education and streaming in all of its forms, whether it's um, academic and applied programming in Ontario, whether it's special education programming, there are uh, whether it's ability grouping in regular classrooms. We know that these, these systems are designed to help, but we know that the, the outcomes and the impact of this is one that has actually harmed students. And, and we know this. And, and so, you know, when, when people are, are asking, well, why don't, you know, streaming would just be fine if we just did it right. Well, the problem is, is, is not that uh, we're not doing it. We've been trying to fix streaming for generations and, and poured in millions and millions of dollars um, in initiatives to try to support uh, students in applied classes. The issue itself is the structure. And so when we're looking at um, supporting students that are struggling and are marginalized, it's time and, and I'm glad that the direction now is that we are actually removing the streams because now we're eliminating the problem at its root. So some supporters of streaming suggest that not all students are able to learn at the same level or at the same pace, and therefore they need a different option or a different curriculum. And that you can't have kids in a math class who are at quite varying different degrees of being able to learn uh, how quickly they can learn and the content they can learn. And so that's why you need these streams. How do you respond to that? Well, I think that um, how programming has been delivered in streamed systems is one that is not very conducive to students that uh, vary in readiness. Uh, we haven't had a need to make curriculum accessible because we've just said to students that don't fit in, there's somewhere else for you to go. But the problem is that other place for you to go actually doesn't set you up for success. It's uh, our data has clearly shown that applied programming um, does not lead to good outcomes for students that four out of five students in academic programming lead to university or college or apprenticeships. But then in the college uh, applied a program that actually less than half of our students are accessing post-secondary. So we know that there's um, unequal outcomes. So now that we are um, de-streaming, um, that also means that we have to make our program programming more accessible. And that means uh, employing pedagogy that is uh, recognizing that students are different and meeting them where they're at. So um, in, in just not just our practice that we do in the TDSB uh, in schools that have been successful in challenging streaming, but also in the research is saying that differentiating instruction, um, employing universal design for learning and culturally responsive uh, pedagogy are keys to making sure that students can access the, the curriculum. So we, we, we know that if you differentiate your English program, for instance, so if you are um, uh, providing choice in the reading materials, instead of everybody reading the same book, we know that now we're opening up access for, uh, for students. In math class, it might look like um, providing open questions in parallel tasks. So instead of asking everybody one question, um, provide two or three versions of the question 
uh, at differing um, uh, difficulty levels. Therefore, now students can have a choice of a really hard question that they can challenge themselves with, or um, a more simple question that still just um, covers the big ideas still. So there are many ways that we can actually open up math classrooms, I'll be specific to math, that um, ensures that students that are, no matter where they're at um, in their stages of readiness, um, can get an entry into math class and also to be successful in there and being meaningfully included. Okay, I want to go back to that pedagogy because you've talked about your desire to promote inclusive pedagogy. What do you mean by that and how do you do it? So I'll be, uh, I'll give an example of um, how you could support a de-streamed math class that is um, starting in September of 2021 is using computer algebra systems uh, to support students with procedures in math. So we know that in math class, we typically have to um, perform lots of algorithms and, and, you know, and if a student has trouble with them, but they understand the underlying concepts that they're not going to be um, able to demonstrate their, their, their understanding. So computer algebra systems, for instance, which is part of um, the 2005 curriculum. So it's been mentioned and, and, is, and should have been employed in our system for over 15 years now, um, can be used as an assistive technology tool to support students when they're solving an equation. There are, it's essentially a calculator that can do much more than what a traditional calculator um, uh, has done. It can help you solve equations. It can help you do all sorts of complex math um, that if we put uh, and use strategically and put it in the hands of students that are struggling, that they can actually um, overcome certain barriers. So that's one example of inclusive pedagogy, but it's also not just about providing access. It's also about, um, affirming identities of students and about uh, challenging uh, power dynamics. So uh, for instance, um, one of the structures that's really been popular in, in, in Ontario for math is the thinking classroom with, um, with research by uh, Dr. Peter Lilladal uh, from Simon Fraser University. So that structure where students are working on um, chalkboards or whiteboards all around the room and they're uh, collaborating and they're the ones that are engaging in the work and it's not the teacher at the front talking, that's changing the power dynamics and that's engaging students and it's forcing students to actually think in their classrooms as opposed to being able to hide in the back um, and, and, and not participate. So we know that there are structures um, and programs that, that, that um, can absolutely be leveraged to support uh, inclusion in, in math classrooms. It's just a matter of uh, professional learning. It's about awareness. It's about a willingness to do it as well. Okay, so as you know, Minister Lecce has announced that the province's math curriculum will be de-streamed as of September 20, 2021. What's that going to look like? So um, right now, currently, the uh, course uh, uh, description has been uh, given the, the um, specifics about the expectations of the curriculum haven't been released yet. Uh, but it's clear that it is an extension likely of the grade uh, one to eight curriculum. So things like financial literacy and coding uh, and mathematical modeling are going to be uh, part of it as well. So, you know, 
and if it's any indication of of what it is in the in the elementary curriculum, it's going to be one that um, you know hopefully will um, engage students in um, mathematical processes that have always been asked of by students, but done more so and more explicitly. Um, coding will be an interesting piece. Um, a lot of our um, high school teachers may not yet understand um, how to code, but then what a what an exciting opportunity then to again change the power dynamic a little bit and learn with our students about how coding can be um, leveraged to learn mathematics. So there's going to be a lot of changes. I think a lot will stay the same as well, um, but I think in lieu of um, not knowing what the expectations are. I think that teachers and, and staff and principals want to get prepared for September. And I think what really um, staff need to focus on right now is those pedagogical practices that promote inclusion and allow students to see themselves reflected in their classrooms. And that can happen right now immediately, um, you know, a, a, before we even find out anything about the new curriculum. So for math in particular, there seems to be a culture whereby some people either believe or have been told they're just not good at math. And that's why some students have chosen different streams. So if a student has heard or believes or thinks that he or she or they are not good at math and they can't do the academic program for math, how are we going to bring that group of students back into the math program? How are we gonna make them believe that they can be successful? So one of the things that we have to do first is to make sure that our staff believe that anybody can do math and be successful in math. Um, you know, many, many teachers that are teaching math are excellent in math, right? Um, in our, in our math, uh, in our high school math classrooms. And so, um, you know, if, if, our, if our staff believe that all students can learn, they will absolutely be able to convince their students that they can learn math as well because they're going to open up the learning again, right? And it comes again back to this idea of accessibility, of, of providing multiple entry points for, uh, for students to be able to find their way into the learning. Because the, the gap is not so much in what students know or don't know, but the gap is really in how they're not able to reach and access the learning that's happening in the classroom. So if we find ways to bridge that, um, uh, that, that barrier that students are, are facing and that they're not be able to um, take in the learning, it's because of not, not necessarily about content knowledge, but about how we're delivering the learning. So we really do need to emphasize to all of our staff that there are ways to, to um, convince students that they can um, absolutely be math learners because we need to provide them with that opportunity to enter the learning. Um, and, and again, that comes with studying inclusive, culturally responsive practices in math classes. Are you optimistic about the de-streaming starting in September? Um, I'm absolutely optimistic about de-streaming. Um, I know that there are uh, some spaces that are more ready than others, but again, um, I, I'm always aware, especially in my classroom, that uh, people are coming at various stages of readiness. And that also is true 
with uh, staff right all across Ontario. There are some teachers that have been uh, part of the discourse on de-streaming for a very long time. And there are those that are now entering and I welcome everybody that is now speaking about it. Um, but I, I think that when, when teachers uh, are engaged in this and they get the support that they need, you know, and, and, and it, with support, I really do mean um, uh, coaching. I do mean uh, administrator support, collaboration, opportunities to work together and reflect that when they see that this uh, wider range of readiness can actually be uh, managed by great um, uh, researched informed pedagogy that people are going to start to see that, oh, this isn't actually so bad. The sky isn't actually falling in front of me right now because uh, all of a sudden it's a de-stream class. Um, but without that support and without the shift though in pedagogy that comes with the shift in structure and how we organize uh, students, um, there is this very real possibility that that further harm can be done. So while I am very optimistic that this is uh, something that can be uh, achieved, um, you know, we do have to make sure that everybody um, is is in on this together. So classroom teachers are firmly supported by not just their administrators, but central supports that take uh, that that exist in in all of our boards. So on that note, Jason, just to conclude, although you are bringing your teacher perspective to this, most of our listeners are principals and vice principals. What would you like to say to them or what advice would you give them so that they and their staff and their students can be successful in this de-streaming initiative? I would say that as leaders in your schools, and leaders with staff that they need to take a learning stance. And, um, and, and not, I know that not every principal or vice principal in Ontario may agree with de-streaming at this particular point in time, um, but I do encourage them to take that learning stance hear about why this is important. Under, really understanding the why is quite critical as the, as the leader in, in, your, uh, in, your, in your board or in your system or in your school, because that's what's going to anchor the further work that needs to happen. So um, I'm not gonna say that every teacher in every school is gonna be ready in September to do this at, at full efficacy, but that's part, of, that's part of teaching, that's part of the profession is to continue, continually learn. And so, um, you know, make sure that you're at a learning stance, but also make sure that you're ready to, to lead um, and, and um, prepare your staff in understanding the why as well with you. Um, because it, it, without that understanding of the of the moral imperative and the and the duty and the rationale for this this can go sideways very very quickly we need to really anchor this in in uh, discourses of equity and anti-racism and anti-oppression and when we do that then um, you know no matter when when things hit um, uh, hit a wall or when things are starting to you know, be difficult, which of course, like this will come with some challenges, not going to lie. Um, but then we, 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 we reach back to what's really important, right? Which is about making a just society and making this a fair system for all of our students. Um, and, and so again, I would really encourage um, 
principals and vice principals that are still sort of new to de-streaming to really learn and find out really what is the root of this movement, which is making sure that uh, we're, we're writing a historic wrong um, you know, that we've been perpetuating for, for, you know, real, essentially like over a hundred years streaming has existed for a very, very long time. And it's about time that we change it. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Our guest today has been Jason Toe. He's a mathematics teacher. He's a math coach. And he spoke to us today about de-streaming math and in particular, how it relates to equity, anti-racism, and anti-oppression. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And thank you to all our listeners.